Uh, man, I'm a little out of breath because we have a huge, I mean a packed class. I think it's more than 58. They said there were 58, but I imagine it's 60 or 70 potential new members upstairs that are praying about whether or not God wants them to join our church. Now, the big thing in that is this. It's what I love about that class. Every one of those, let me look at what Mike just sent me. Oh, I was wrong. See, me of little faith, we have 104 upstairs right now. That's incredible. Um, that's amazing. So what I love about that is that it seems like every class, we're doing about every four or five weeks now, um, that we're seeing folks get saved up there. There's a counselor at every table. We've tweaked the way we do that. And we're seeing folks ask about their spiritual testimony. And if they can't give a clear example, we're sharing Jesus with them. So it's not just about, hey, do you want to join this church? That is very secondary. The most important thing is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And if you do, great. Let us help you grow in your faith. If God leads you here, we want you to be a part of that. I'm overwhelmed. I looked around that room, and honestly, every age, the demographics, the ethnicities, it was so beautiful. And, and it looked like a kaleidoscope. And I think, you know, that's what heaven's going to be like. Uh, heaven's going to have a lot of different looking folks. And um, those of every tribe and tongue, people and nation. And there was young and old in the room. And it was just a beautiful picture. And um, I'm a little overwhelmed just looking at those folks and thinking about uh, what the Lord is doing here. What he's doing in our school right now is astounding. It's just the spiritual movement is... Uh, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I do want you to turn to Deuteronomy 6, and we are going to talk about the old Grinch. So if you got any bitterness in your heart, um, listen up, okay? It's for all of us. I think sometimes we all get a little Grinchy, though. Sometimes we all get a little bit of that. Y'all know that for well over half a century, children and adults have been reading and enjoying books by the celebrated author Theodore Geisel. In 1957, Geisel released another world-famous book, it was within a highly renowned series for children he was writing. And Chuck Jones, the famous producer and director of things like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, man, those were the days. I like those cartoons. So uh, that uh, director saw the genius behind the book and made a cartoon of it that instantly became a classic, still is. In 2000, it's hard to believe, 23 years ago, little Opie Taylor grew up to be the great Hollywood director Ron Howard and made another retelling of this story and of course that's with Jim Carrey and the, the bunch and we're not going to do the movie thing we're going to do the book thing but by now you know Theodore Geisel is uh, Theodore Seuss Geisel is better known as Dr. Seuss and the famous book is this one How the Grinch Stole Christmas and we're not going to start in this book by the way and go to scripture in fact I detest that thinking that's a bad way to do things. We are going to learn some lessons, though, from the Scripture that we see some truth out of this book, and then at the end, there's a little bit of break with that. But I do want you, because so many of you know this. Does everybody pretty much know the story? Everybody pretty well, other than Frank? I know, he's never heard of it. He is kind of the Grinch, but he's never heard of the Grinch. But uh, no, we love Pastor Frank. Um, but I want you to really not so much focus on this as what the Word's going to tell us, because this is an incredibly important section of Scripture. In fact, if you were to have an Orthodox Jewish friend and you said, what's the most important? They're probably going to quote this text to you. If you were to go to the Holy Land with me and we were to walk around and you saw a lot of little things on doorways 
And you'd see some guys walking around with some funny things right here, a little box between their eyes, and you'd see some guys with some funny things on their arm. And you'd see some things and you'd go, whoa, what is that all about? It's going to come from here. This is sort of the key text for the Jew, but it should also be a very important text for us Christians who believe in the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy. That's why we celebrated Christmas, that Jesus is the promised Messiah. In Deuteronomy 5, what you get is a retelling of the Ten Commandments. Remember, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments in Exodus upon Sinai. Moses was so mad when the people were disobeying God and making an idol, a golden calf, that he threw the tablets down, they shattered, he went back up the mountain, and God, with his own finger, wrote those Ten Commandments on two stone tablets, four of which incline us to God, six of which incline us to others, and it starts with having no God before our God. And so what we have is this incredible section of Scripture, and then right in the middle, God says, listen up. Hear very carefully, in the New Testament we might say it this way, behold, pay attention. God through Moses says, what I'm about to say to you is of critical importance. It is far more important that you know this than who will be playing in the college championship football game. I know that's on our minds, I know people are talking about it, but this is more important. So for this time, let's put all that out for a moment. And let's think about what God is asking us to think about. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. And God starts out with a very important word in Hebrew, Shema. Shema. S-H-E-M-A, if you were to anglicize it. Shema. Hear. Listen up. Pay attention, O Israel. And now that we're grafted into the vine, remember we talked about it Wednesday night. If you weren't here for our Q&A, go online and check that out. We are grafted in. We don't replace Israel, but we're part of the family of God, chosen by the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is what? One. That's because God through Moses wanted to remind them, you are a monotheistic, monotheistic people. Versus what? polytheistic. Y'all know what mono means, right? Mono means, what does poly mean? Many. He said, you are not like those, those folks. You're not like the Egyptians that worship sun God, moon God, rain God, harvest God. You're not like that. You worship the one true and living God who's been manifested in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, a triune God, but still one God. And he said, hear that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, Yahweh Elohim, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. That's not order of importance. That's simply holistically. You are loving God with all of yourself. In the New Testament, Jesus adds the word mind to that equation. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. And these are part of what we see in the Orthodox Jews even today. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets or phylacteries between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. They will guide you. They will guard you. They will surround you. You will think on them. Heavenly Father, thank you for this powerful, powerful passage. 
Thank you for the incredible truths that we see before us. Help us to learn from your word and take some lessons out even as we see what happened in the Grinch's heart and life. But help us to really focus on the word. Teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. I believe the biggest threat to Christianity today is not atheism. Atheos means no God. I believe the biggest threat to Christianity today is not agnosticism. Agnosis, which means no knowledge. Agnostics say, I don't know. Atheists say there's no God. I believe the biggest threat to Christianity today has always been the biggest threat to Christianity, and it is actually polytheism. I believe that people are substituting many gods, small g, instead of the one true and living God. There could be the God of shopping, the God of Santa. And I'm not anti, I'm simply saying if they're first, they're your God. The God of shopping or Santa, the God of gifts and the God of get-togethers, the God of busyness and the God of fruitcake. Though we know that's not a God, that's a demon from the pit of hell. Okay, so why do I call these gods? Because anything, anyone that takes first chair is your God. That's the way this works. That's why in God's top 10, what does he say first? Thou shall have no other gods before me. Don't put anyone or anything first, lest that's your God. So it brings me back to the question, has the Grinch stolen Christmas? Well, you're going to have to answer that for yourself today. Because I'll be very frank with you today, as I um, think, I'll call them back. I'll be very frank with you guys today that I can get grinchy if I'm not really careful. In fact, the other night in the second half of that ball game, when they cut the lead from 24 to 7, my wife left the room and didn't come back to let me watch the didn't come back to finish the game with me and she'll never come in the room when Duke and Carolina are playing it's like a war zone i can get grinchy over the littlest of things that really just don't matter just doesn't even add up to a hill of beans but i'm not the only one and especially at christmas when we have so much to celebrate so much to be thankful for it's very easy to get distracted so in order to answer the question, I'm going to ask you to do a spiritual evaluation today, and it's a very simple evaluation. I've alliterated it. It couldn't be any easier. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is examine your will, your will. What is will, by the way? It's your wants, your wishes, your desires. What do you really want? Notice God's will in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Yahweh, Yahweh. He repeats it. The Lord, God's will is that he is first. That's why he says in Exodus 20 and verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. God's greatest desire for his people then and his people now is that we know him as the one true and living God. And nothing and no one gets between us. God's greatest desire for his people is that they love him even as he first loved us. Look, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus was asked in Matthew 22 and 36 and following, the Pharisee said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And speaking back to Deuteronomy 6, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul. Then he adds, mind, and your strength. 
Jesus wasn't saying you have to go in that order. Jesus said with all of your being. God created your mind. God created your heart. God created your will. God created all of it. So love him with all of it. Jesus said it's the first and greatest commandment. And what's the second one which is like it? Love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible never has to teach us how to love ourselves because we are born loving ourselves. In fact, today I would tell you what I said to our staff as we were finishing a wonderful book uh, in staff reading this month. Uh, we don't need more self-esteem, folks. We need some more God-esteem. We need to know, we need to start in theology and not anthropology. Don't start with the man in the mirror, Michael Jackson. Start with the God in the heavens who can be as close as your right hand. Start with him. And the Hebrew word for heart the inner man, the mind, means our very inmost being. Let me give you something. It's a little graphic, but in the Hebrew sometimes, they've translated the word heart when it actually means bowel. It just doesn't sound as warm and fuzzy and sweet to say, love God with all your bowel. I mean, but it's the same core meaning. It's the gut, everything in you, the, the very innermost you. Let me quote something for you. I thought it was fabulous. It's from Fan the Flame. Joseph Stoll, the author, said, Heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. It is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It's been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity. It is a comprehensive term for a person as a whole, his feelings, desires, passions, thought, understanding, will, the very center of a person, the place to which God turns. You see, it's where we want the Spirit of God to indwell us in our very heart, the very core of our being, the real us. And whether we're drawing closer to God and his holiness through progressive sanctification or whether we're drifting away from God in worldly sinfulness, it always starts in the heart. And I tie these two together in some ways, the thinking person and the feeling person, but they come, they work back and forth together. We'll see that in a moment when we read. But Mark 7, 21, Jesus said this, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit. And he goes on and on and on and on. Where did the problem with the old Grinch start? Well, Mr. Geisel wrote, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season, now please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may be that his heart was two sizes too small. He had a heart problem. And let me say something to you today, my friend, and I say this in all love, but if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and your Savior, you have a heart problem today. One that no cardiologist, no matter where he serves, no one can fix save Jesus himself, the great physician. You have a heart problem. And it is not that your heart is too small. It's that your heart is unoccupied by the king of your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have occupied it with self and worldliness. And even according to Ephesians 2, the devil who takes up residence. But you need to be occupied by the spirit of the living God. And the Grinch had a problem. And without Jesus in our heart, in the core of our life, we have a problem. And don't let a heart problem keep you from enjoying this season. I love Christmas because I know what it means in the grand story. I know what it means both in history and in our future. That because God came in flesh through the virgin's womb. 
Because Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and was tempted like we are tempted and yet never fell into sin. Because Jesus paid the perfect once for all price as a substitutionary sacrifice. Because of Christmas, Easter is coming and I serve a risen Savior. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's a conquering king at the right hand of God Almighty. And that's why I love Christmas. But if you don't have that context, if you don't have that understanding, how can you, ex- how can you really enjoy this? Just, just presents? Just getting stuff? What'd you get last Christmas? You can't remember. I can't remember half of the thing. I, I don't know. What, what did you get the Christmas before that or that? Now, you'll remember this or that. I mean, I do remember my first Red Rider BB gun. That was special. And I still have both my eyes. So it's really special. But most of it you'll never remember. Don't let the heart problem keep you from God. Make sure your heart is inclined toward him. Joshua 24, 23, he said, put away the foreign gods from among you and incline your heart toward the Lord God of Israel. Put your heart in line with God. You will have a joyous season because every display of lights you see will point you back to the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you see will point you to Jesus. Examine your will. Second, examine your words. God's words are to be in our heart, and our heart will then overflow those. So out of the heart can can flow corruption or words of life. We talk about the things of God. Look at what the Bible says. We're to love him, and he says in verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. But that's not where they just sit and stew. No, 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 no. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, out in the market, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, all the time, everywhere. I want the words of God to be on your lips. Impart, instruct, speak, declare these Hebrew words, pronounce, converse. Because what comes out of here is so powerful. Proverbs 18:21 says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." Proverbs 21:23 says, "Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble." Listen to this. I love this. History is full of sayings about the power of words in the tongue. "The boneless tongue, so small and weak, can crush and kill," declared the Greek. The Persian proverb wisely saith, "A lengthy tongue, an early death." Sometimes it takes this form instead. Don't let your tongue cut off your head. That's brilliant. While Arab sages this in part, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. From Hebrew wit, the maxims sprung. Though feet should slip, don't let the tongue. A verse in scripture crowns the whole. Who keeps the tongue doth keep his soul. It's so tiny and so weighty. It's so heavy. James would teach us it's very hard to hold. How many of you have ever let things slip out or maybe fly out? And as they were coming through there, you went, no, bring them back. Some of y'all did that this morning. Some of you are going to do it on your way out of here. Some of you are going to be going to see a festive light display or go enjoy a great Christmas concert and yet, you're just going to be, I can't believe he cut me off. Oh, this. 
You're going to be at a wonderful Christmas party. Did you see the way she looked at me? I can't believe it. After telling his patient to stick out her tongue, her doctor continued writing out her description. When he finished, he turned to her tongue, had been hanging out like a dog the whole time, and he said, here, that'll do. And the lady began to protest. But, Doc, you never even looked at my tongue. And he said, yes, ma'am, it wasn't necessary. I just needed you to keep quiet so I could write this prescription. (laughs) I don't recommend that, doctors. But I do understand. A good question would be to ask ourselves, if this past year I was paid $10 for every kind word I said about others and maybe I collected $5 for every unkind word, would you be rich or would you be poor? Or would you just kind of break even? Do you understand to guard your tongue and watch your words? And the way that God says to do that is to talk about him. I know we're going to talk about who should be in the college championship. I know we're going to talk about bowl games. That's fine. I'm not anti any of that. I'm going to talk about it too. I'm going to stir up some conversations on news, weather, and sports, but I'm always going to attempt to make a beeline back to the Lord Jesus because we can talk about it, but when the Bible says talk about these things, Talk about it in your home. Talk about it wherever you go. Talk about it everywhere. Think on the things of God. You know, the Grinch had a problem, didn't he? He had a heart problem. But listen to me now. A heart problem will manifest itself with a word problem. They're hanging their stockings. He snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. He's talking to himself. He's talking to his dog, Max. And if we had a camera in your spaces, a lot of y'all talk to yourself just like the Grinch. I can't believe this. What in... How did he give him that promotion? I didn't get a good bonus this year. What are they thinking? You're like Clark Griswold, all out of sorts. Enjoy the Jelly of the Month Club, friend. It's okay. It's the gift that keeps giving all year long. If you don't know that, you need some culture. Now, I'm just telling y'all, we're just like this guy or thing or whatever he is. We're just like him. Because what happens is when the the heart is wrong, the words get wrong. And the Grinch's will is now manifested in his words. And that's where sin creeps into our life as well. Because then we got to see, after we examine our will and our words, you got to examine your walk. Your walk. The will of God's people and the words of God's people defect the walk of God's people. They, 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 these are our actions, if you will, how we respond. And the Bible says that when we talk of these things wherever we go, then we're going to bind them as a sign on our hand. I want to show you on the left hand. The Jew would bind this up and it would have some scripture in a pouch and then they would put a phylactery and it sometimes it's translated frontlet, but they put this little square leather box on their face or on their, on their forehead. I'm thinking of the words of God. It would have little strips of scripture in it. One of those being the Shema text, what we just read. But I'm telling y'all right now, it's more important to get it here, here, and then let it come out here than it is to wear it right there. Your actions are always going to speak louder. And so when we think about this, some people act like they really want to follow God. They, they talk a good talk, but then when we look at their life, or maybe even when you look at my life, you go, wait a minute, that's not adding up. 
And that's where we Christians hear that word all the time, hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. Well, the world forgets we're not called to be perfect. We are called and forgiven. And so when we fall, we know that we have one that will lift us up. We're not going to be a perfect people. Are we going to say things we ought not to say? Yep. Are we going to do things we ought not to do? Yep. The Apostle Paul himself, the greatest missionary the world has ever known after the time of Jesus' resurrection. Paul himself said, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Why do I not do the things I ought to do? All this war that goes on within me, what a predicament I'm in. And he was talking about the spiritual and the natural, warring, the flesh against the spirit, warring. And even as Christians, there's still a war that goes on. And perfection's only hit when we stand before God face to face. But the point is, we still should pay attention to how we're thinking, how we're speaking, and how we're responding. We don't want to give the enemy another flaming arrow for his bow. What did the Grinch do? Now, guys, you know this. He thought about how much he hated the Who's. Then he stomped around on Mount Crumpet, and he devised a plan. And between him and his dog Max, a.k.a. Rudolph, they worked up this plan, right? And then he decided, I'm going to take their presents. I'm going to take their decorations. I'm going to take their Who pudding and roast beast. I'm going to take it all. And who caught him at the Christmas tree? Cindy Lou. Many of you have heard me call my Cindy, Cindy Lou, or sometimes just Lou, and you said, I didn't know her middle name was Lou. It's Elizabeth, y'all. Get over it. Okay, but I call her Cindy Lou because, of course, we grew up on the Grinch. And Cindy Lou, that sweet little Cindy Lou, comes down. And what does that old Grinch do? He does what most of us could do. You know that old Grinch, so smart and so slick, he thought up a lie. And he thought it up quick. What do you do when your hand's in the cookie jar and the light comes on? I wasn't getting a cookie. Oh, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there and I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head and he got her a drink and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney And stuffed the tree up. Many years ago, our sweet Holly was in her bedroom. I walked in and I found her face covered with something pink. She looked like the pink panther. It was everywhere. It was on her face. It was on her hands. The evidence was overwhelming. She got into some kind of crazy makeup thing. And I woke her up. She had fallen asleep in her sinful condition. I woke her up as about a four-year-old little girl. And I said, Holly, have you gotten into the makeup? No, Dad. Have you ever gone to one of your children, chocolate everywhere? Have you been eating candy? Have you gotten into the cookies? No, Dad. And she denied it and denied it and denied it. And if I'm not mistaken, we put you in front of a mirror and you continue to deny it. But it's not just children. Excuse me, sir. Do you know how fast you were going? Oh, no, officer, was I speeding? Hello? Hello? I wasn't looking at my phone. Cross my heart. The reality is when we get caught because the heart condition has manifested with words that now manifest with ways, and when we get caught, what do we often do? We just dig the old lie hole that much deeper and that much wider. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't looking at that. I wasn't talking to them. 
And that's exactly what happened. But we can be, we the children of God can be truly thankful because the Lord has said when our will and our words and our ways match up, when what we believe on the inside really does match on the outside, and I'm not telling you to go out and buy a phylactery and throw it on your forehead. I'm telling you to let the watching world see what it really looks like to be a Christian. And when we're done wrong, to love people well. That doesn't mean be run over. That doesn't mean be a doormat. But that means to show love where hate is received. Jesus himself said, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things we fret over will be added to us. This Christmas season, we examine our will and our words and our ways, and we make sure they align with our heavenly Father and make sure we're not grinchy. Make sure we don't have like a Grinch spirit that had a negative will and negative words that led to nasty actions because something began to happen on the top of Mount Crumpet. The Grinch is getting ready to dump all of the who's stuff over the mountain and he expected to hear what? Weeping and wailing. And I'm telling you guys, for two millennia as children of God, there have been those that would want to destroy Christ and Christmas and Christians. And they will martyr us at times. They will behead us and they will burn us and they will do all manner of evil against us. And there are people in the world right now, our friends in India, some in China, some in other places around this world, that are willing to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ. And the enemy thinks, I'll silence them. I know what I'll do. They'll be weeping and wailing. And yet, when the enemy listens carefully, you know what they hear? They hear the people of God from every tribe and tongue, people and nation gathering to worship the one true and living God, still singing his praises, still studying his word, because you cannot kill the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you be worried about what happens to us over there or even if it comes to our land. God's team in Christ is victorious. They will not kill Christmas because they can't kill Christ. And you can take the physical life of a Christian, but you can't kill that which is made by the hand of God. So to live is Christ, to die is gain. We believe that the Grinch couldn't stop Christmas and a Grinchy world can't stop it either. What happened up on that mountain? My favorite part of the story. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could this be so? Why did he say that? What were they doing down there? Jeff, you and I could do this, buddy. We could hold hands. Fa, hu, fo, re, da, do, re. We got the gift of tongues right there, didn't we? All right. How could this be so? It came without ribbons and it came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags, and he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And I say, no, Mr. Grinch. (laughs) Christmas means a whole lot. Christmas is a reminder that animal blood will never take away human sin. Christmas is a reminder that our sin has alienated us from the God who created us. But in the perfect fulfillment of time, God through the virgin's womb came to walk this earth robed in flesh. 
to be spit upon, to be mocked, to be beaten, but he would willingly lay down his life. God the Son, laying it down for you, laying it down for me, and they would hang him up for the world to see and stretched out, he said, I love you this much. It is finished, it is paid in full, and they took down his broken and battered body, truly dead, and they placed him in a borrowed tomb. But Christmas reminds me that three days later, by the power of God, he was raised to new life, where he would minister some 40 days, over 500 would see him alive, he would ascend back to the right hand of Almighty God, he would sit down because he finished the work, and he would soon come back to take us all to be where he is. He is even now preparing a place for you. Christmas reminds us that God's not finished with us and you didn't have to bring your animal here today and the altar is not bloody today because the cross was bloody back then. Christmas means a lot more than the stuff. It means there's a savior and you can know him today. But you see what we have to do. You have to believe and don't get these out of order quickly. Your mind's got to be right. Did y'all know the word repent, metanoia, or metanoieo means change your mind? I know preachers like to say 180, change direction, but the actual Greek word means change your mind. Your thinking's wrong. Think well of God. Think of who Christ is. He is the one and only Savior. Then let that flow out of your mouth. And from your mouth, it'll change your emotions. But what, what do we do? I know what I do most of the time. I let words start flying out of my mouth before they even went through my mind. Or I start to react to something and I hadn't even thought about it. And keep the order correct. You could say it another way. You could say head, heart, and hands. And you say, but, but wait a minute. The Bible says start with your heart. No, the heart is deceitfully wicked. You've got to lead your heart. Start by thinking biblically. In fact, Paul would say to the Philippian believers, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Then with your, heart, with your head, it affects your heart. And they do really work together back and forth, head and heart, head and heart. But then it manifests with your hands. And as you finish your outline, where should all of this start? What comes to inform the mind? What comes to inform the head? What comes to inform the, inform the will? The Word of God. Where should this start? With the Word of God. If you want to see Christmas in all of its glory and beauty with the Prince of Peace, if you want to know this wonderful counselor, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace, if you want to know God the Son and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, if you want to really worship Him, start with the Word of God. That's the way to correct your bad attitude about Christmas or about anyone or anything. And I would ask you as we close, uh, Jeff and Melissa are going to come. What area of your life have you held back from the Lord in 2023? Some of you have held your heart back. You need to come and get right with God and get saved today. I believe with all that many people up there now, there's going to be some folks getting saved here any minute. Maybe you need to come and get saved here today. Give your life to Jesus Christ. You say, I hear preachers say that to me all the time. Get saved, get saved, get saved. I'm not lost. Apart from Jesus, you're lost. You don't know why you're here or where you're going, but you can. You're lost. And you need a head and a heart adjustment. And the hand stuff will happen. Don't try to fix the other first. Don't try to say, I'll clean my life up and then I'll come to God. That's foolish. Come to the Lord. So has the Grinch stolen Christmas? Well, if we'll keep our will and our words and our ways focused on Christ, 
then absolutely not. Stand with me this morning. I would encourage you today as we pray. Some of you need to come to this altar to pray for one of our own. Pastor Todd Harden, who has been over our Grace Biblical Counseling Ministry for a decade now, was in a very bad car accident this week. On Tuesday, we finished a wonderful all-staff meeting, and within a few minutes, I got the call that a truck had run into him right down the road, never slowed down. In fact, we have it on video. There was a car that recorded it. And um, it broke his neck instantly. Now, he's okay. He's very bruised and battered. He's very sore. He's going to be okay. He's in a neck brace. Isn't that crazy that in the last couple of years, we've had two pastors with broken necks? Pastor Brian, of course, was a vicious kickball attack that uh, he endured. But Pastor Todd has the slightly more manly story of a car wreck. But he really does need our prayers. Would you please commit? And if Pastor Todd's helped you or your family or Grace Biblical Counseling, if I were you, I'd be at this altar praying for that brother. And that pastor, I'd be praying for him. I'd be laying him before God, saying, God, help him and heal him and take away all of the soreness. He, he's facing quite a lot right now, but he's doing well. I talked to him last night. But please, if you would be willing to come and pray, if you'd be willing to come and pray as that class finishes up, there are going to be some lost folks in that room. There are going to be some folks up there that need Christ. And every single one of them, if they stay, they'll be counseled individually by a table counselor. There'll be some folks that'll have an eternity changing moment because in a moment eternity can change if you trust Christ but what does it say and I didn't even get into this believe in your heart and confess with your mouth then you change don't do better be better and then believe on Jesus believe and confess you see this is where the Grinch story is not like the Bible the Bible says he kind of got this warm, fuzzy feeling. He began to get warm, and then, dunk, 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 dunk. His heart grew three sizes that day. Well, you don't necessarily need your heart to grow. You need your heart to open. And if you will open, even as Jesus wants to come in, when you open and you invite and you receive, we would say, he will come in and by his spirit take up residence in you and be your Lord and be your Savior. And I would encourage you today, even as we pray for Pastor Todd and we pray for those, if you need to trust Christ, open your heart. That's the way your heart changes. Not some warm, fuzzy feeling. I just don't have a feeling. It's more than a feeling, brother. Pastors and counselors are here to receive you. As I pray, the altar is open. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.